What you are about to hear are accounts of real pro wrestling events. Some names, mostly ours, have been changed to protect the innocent. Welcome to Snap Judgments. Went out, uh, went off with uh, them looking out, or standing near the field, looking out onto the field, because Daly's place is attached to the Jacksonville football stadium, looking out onto the field, and there was, uh, on the scoreboard, uh, Jumbotron, uh, inner circle blazoned across there, so it ended with this great pose-off with them standing in front of their sign, inner circle, standing triumphantly over the beaten, uh, Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy. So, um, it was, it was a good match. It was, it was nuts. It was insanity. Um, but it was exactly what, when you've got a heel faction like the Inner Circle, you need to have matches like this where they can use their strength and numbers to win legitimately. Um, it doesn't make them necessarily look weak. It makes them look like a gang. Instead of, like, I loved I loved the Manitoba Melee uh, on the Bubbly Bunch last week. I loved a lot of the Bubbly Bunch stuff. But the downside of that is that made them look like goofy, fun guys instead of just a vicious gang. And that's what they looked like with this. So... Uh, and that's where, where it went off the air with them posing out there triumphant after beating Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy. Uh, all in all, a good, good episode. Um, were it not for this Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara versus Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy, I probably would have given it a 7 out of 10. Uh, but this match was enough to raise it to an 8 out of 10. Not quite as good overall as last week's, uh, I think. But still a very, very good episode. Um, so 8 out of 10 citations for this week's AEW overall. Uh, I'm anxious to see what DA Fabe talks about with NXT. NXT had some big stuff happening that made me a little bit sad that I was watching AEW live, not NXT live. Um, you know, they had the, the actual debuts of Scarlett Bordeaux and Karrion Cross formerly Killer Cross. You had uh, Finn Balor giving a speech on whoever attacked him the other week. Um, you, you had some good stuff on NXT. Um, I think the ratings are going to uh, come out today, and I think they're definitely going to show AEW winning by how much I don't know. Um, it was pretty close last week, but AEW squeaked out the win. I think they'll win by more this week, but I don't know exactly how much, so... Uh, but in the end, like I said, 8 out of 10 citations. Make sure to share this episode on Twitter. Just hit that tweet button with a link to this episode. Say, go listen to this episode, hashtag Raw and Order WBU to be entered for your chance to win not one, but two t-shirts. Free. Absolutely free. No cost to you whatsoever. Just a little bit of time. 30 seconds. Boom. You get yourself some uh, chance to win some free t-shirts. So, um, also, like I have always said, like, share, and subscribe 
to this podcast, make sure you've subscribed on whatever podcast platform you use, because that way you get notified as soon as we post new episodes, which we post nearly daily. Um, you uh, uh, can share it with your friends through other means. The only way right now to enter the contest is Twitter, but we encourage you to also share it on Instagram and on Facebook as well. We've got both an Instagram and a Facebook page. You can go to our Wix site. Uh, the link will be in the doobly-doos on this episode, as well as the pinned tweet on my Twitter, at RawAndOrderWBU. Um, you can also go to our uh, merch shop and look at the t-shirts there. And, you know, if you don't win, you can still buy a t-shirt from there. Even if you do win, you can buy one t-shirt and get another one when you win for free. So, a uh, great way to support us. There's t-shirts, there's mouse pads, I think, there's uh, bags, there's hoodies, there's hats. You know, there's pretty much anything. We're working on new designs all the time uh, there. So, that will also be linked in the doobly news here. But... Uh, but yeah, 8 out of 10 citations. I think it was a great episode of AEW. Great overall week for AEW. I'm excited for next week and only a few more weeks till double or nothing. So uh, with that, I will close the book on this particular uh, recap and say thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. Bye. Welcome to Snap judgments aew edition i am your host detective mark smarks and i am joined by nobody because it's just me on these um this week we are going to be going over the events of aew dark and dynamite from this week so um we'll get into it uh before we start though i would like to remind everyone of two things number one Raw and Order is part of the Tatnus Co. Podcast Network, so make sure to head over to tatnusco.com, check out the other podcasts on the network, uh, give them a listen, tell them that we sent you, and then come back and listen to our next review or podcast here, so spread the love all around. And number two, and probably more important, to be perfectly honest, is we've uh, decided to continue our contest for a little bit longer. So in addition to the winner of the contest from last week, we are going to continue this contest all the way through Double or Nothing. Uh, that means uh, like, share, subscribe to this as usual, but specifically share. Share this podcast on Twitter. Uh, use the hashtag RawAndOrderWBU when you share it. Just share a link to it on whatever podcast platform you do. Uh, and you are entered to win not one, but two t-shirts. One of our own shirts from the merch store of your choice and your choice of shirts from ProWrestlingTees.com. So you get to win two shirts and uh, you really don't have to do much other than share the podcast that you're already listening to. So a great little thing there. Um, the winner of last week, as well as anyone who entered last week, are still eligible, which means... Those entries from last week continue forward, and any new entry you do gives you even more shots at winning. Uh, so it's a great way to win some merch to support your favorite wrestling podcast, or maybe, I don't know, second or third favorite, um, and your favorite independent wrestler, or at the very least, someone who's not necessarily wrestling on a, on a weekly basis right now. So great contest. Uh, get in on it. Tweet out. Hashtag Raw and Order WBU to win. We're going to go ahead and get started, though, on AEW Dark. Um, this was, if I am correct, 
and they might prove me wrong in the future, but this should have been the last pre-taped AEW Dark before uh, they go back to kind of an alternating live and tape, I think, schedule. Um, and so I reports have it they've got a lot of footage recorded up still, so there might still be for AEW Dark some uh, of these matches that come through. Because reports have it that they've recorded all the way out through Double or Nothing. But now that they can go back to doing it live at Daily Center, they are going to do uh, that for, at the very least, for Dynamite. But we'll see how Dark uh, goes. Nice thing with Dark is it was a little bit longer this week. It was about 30 minutes instead of the 15 that last week's were, and the week before that, and I think even the week before that, so... We had three matches, and they gave the matches uh, a good amount of time. Each of them got close to 10 minutes, sort of a thing. So um, so uh, to start off, we had Ryan Piles, who um, I'm assuming is another one of the Nightmare Factory uh, recruits there that just happens to be available to do this. I know he's wrestled on some previous episodes, but I just don't remember him. So... Um, and he wrestled uh, in his debut under this nomaker, 10. Uh, and the only reason I'm saying that is because 10 uh, wrestled under his uh, Vanilla Vance gimmick on a previous episode of Dark. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he's another Nightmare Factory recruit. But now he is officially AEW and he's now part of the Dark Order, wrestles under the name 10 because he's the 10th member. Although, in reality, I think we've seen more than 10 different minions before. But that's beside the point. He's got little... I, I hope they're fake tattoos, because if this gimmick doesn't last too long, having Roman numerals for 10 tattooed on your pecs is going to be a little bit awkward. But anyways, um, so Ryan Piles, um, basically, it's, it's set up to be sort of a squash match to set 10 up as a little bit more of a a monster and and they do a pretty good job with it so um 10 knocks him around a bit piles gets a little bit of offense but 10 really ends up just kind of controlling the whole thing so uh in that word it did what it was supposed to do um no real complaints there um 10 went with hit, hit the spine buster to win uh Moving on from that, we went to the Captain Sean Dean versus Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara, of course, uh, really turning into kind of a star for AEW, and this was designed to kind of help show him off a little bit more. We've seen the Captain Sean Dean a few times before. I, I He seems to be getting a little bit of a response, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see him a lot more in the future. Um, but in the end... This is one of the downsides I've mentioned about these pre-taped shows is, you know, when you have these people like Sean Dean versus a name like Sammy Guevara, you know it's going to end up being a squash in a way. Now, this wasn't a full squash like you'd see from a Jake Hager or a Brody Lee sort of a thing. Uh, Sean Dean was able to get a fair amount of offense in here and there, but in the end... It really was about making Sammy Guevara look really good, and he did. Um, There's one point he actually had um, uh, Sean Dean up uh, in fireman's carry, and he did squats, 
Um, and these weren't just little squats. These were clear down to past 90 degree squats, uh, really showing off that Sammy is stronger than he probably looks. So, um, and I think I've said it before, Sammy Guevara definitely looks like a future star in the making. So we'll see a lot more of him as this goes on. Um, and then moving on to the main event of the evening, we've got Kip Sabian with, of course, Penelope Ford in his corner versus Boom Boom Colt Cabana. Um, and this was a fun match all in all. It uh, told a story of uh, Colt Cabana being the veteran, having been in wrestling for 11 years, something like that, uh, wrestled in all these countries wrestled thousands of matches all of this stuff versus Kip Sabian who's a relative newcomer right and so there were a lot of those moments where uh, Kip Sabian would try to do something and Colt Cabana just saw it coming and, and stepped out of the way or or whatever uh, Colt Cabana did a couple of his fun uh, stops was was always one of his fun little gimmicks where you know, person's bouncing off of a rope and yells, stop! And the person stops like they're surprised and then Colt hits them with a slap or something like that. Um, there was a really cool moment where Kip Sabian went to do a uh, rope step up in Siguria in the corner and Colt just saw it and stepped back out of the way and Sabian just fell flat on his face. Just showing off that uh, Colt Cabana is, is a veteran and he sees a lot of this stuff happening and sees it coming, right, and can plan for it. But in the end, the distractions with uh, Penelope Ford outside the ring uh, led to kind of Kip Sabian getting the fire underneath him and um, really being able to get the win uh, with a schoolboy pin, but still win, uh, kind of helping set him up as, as the guy who was able to outsmart the veteran. So it was a fun show all in all. Um, like I say, nothing super special. The only the only match that had any like real maybe this uh, could go the other way is the Colt Cabana versus Kip Sabian. We knew that Sammy Guevara was going to be Sean Dean. We knew that Ten was going to be um, Ryan Piles. You know, there was no uh, guesswork in that. That we just knew was going to happen. Um, but Colt Cabana versus Kip Sabian could have gone either way because they've been really playing Colt Cabana up a lot. Uh, as the veteran, the person who knows what's going on. Um, however, giving Kip Sabian the win is probably a good thing to help build him up as this young upstart that uh, knows a little bit more than, than other people think. So uh, so we move on to AEW Dynamite. And this one was, like I said, the first one that was um, live-ish. There are a lot of speculation that it wasn't as live as they said it was because in the beginning... Uh, you could see it was still a little bit bright outside, and that should have been 8 o'clock uh, in Daly's Place. However, keeping in mind, uh, Daly's Place is still a covered amphitheater uh, with a lot of lights. Who knows, right? It looked relatively close to live, but it might have been tape delayed by, by 30 minutes to start off with, just to give them a little bit of um, leeway for some of the stuff that happens later in the show. We start off, uh, we're back with the original announced team, Excalibur, Jim Ross, and Tony Schiavone. Of course, previously to this, Tony Schiavone had been doing it with just uh, Chris Jericho um, on commentary. On Dark, he had uh, Cody on commentary as well, but 
but now he's back to the original announced team, which is really fun to have them back and everything. Excalibur does a great job of being the technical wizard, knowing every move and all of that stuff. Jim Ross is the old school, and Tony Schiavone is kind of in the middle there. Um, I still think Tony Schiavone is one of the best color men in the game, and, uh, you know, he, he really brings a lot to the table. So he's the voice of my childhood. I'll say it that way. We start off the night with Cody Rhodes versus Joey Janela, and this was actually a fun match in my opinion. I really enjoyed it. Joey Janela was able to show off what he's capable of doing a bit. Uh, uh, Cody was able to get a little vicious at times and all that stuff, um, but in the end, it was Cody Rhodes getting the victory over Joey Janela. You know, I'm a little torn. I kind of feel like Joey Janela needs to start getting the rub a bit here to build him up again. He's suffered quite a few losses, and it kind of would be nice. However, at the same point, I understand this. You're, you're building Cody up for a big match at double or nothing. You don't want to give him too many losses. So I get it, right? Um, moved on. Tony Schiavone interviewed Nyla Rose. Uh, Nyla yelled at him a bunch. Um... I wish they'd go a little bit different on this because they've already had the uh, Britt Baker kind of demeans Tony Schiavone, and I would like to see them move away from that for everyone, but it's okay. Moved on to Nyla Rose in the ring versus Kenzie Page. Kenzie Page is young. I think they said she was 17 um, in this, and that's that's crazy because uh, she looked pretty good all in all, but this was designed to be a squash match and uh, you throw in a 17 year old out to the wolves here uh, was what it came down to Um, hit her with beast bomb after beast bomb after beast bomb before getting the win Uh, moved on to MJF cutting a uh, promo uh, supposedly from his penthouse he's sitting in a chair announcing that he's now injury free and he'll be back next week while he's doing this he stands up and they change the chair behind him, and at the end he sits down and, and talks about how he'll be back where he belongs in his throne. Um, about the only thing uh, that I didn't like about this is it seemed to me like it was pretty obviously green screened, because when he stood up and they were changing the chair behind him, he had absolutely no shadow underneath him at all, and it looked like he was just cut out on a background. So. But in the end, it was still a good good promo from MJF. MJF being his usual douchebag role um, worked really good. Moved on to another douchebag role. Sean Spears cutting a promo uh, about Cody and how badly Lance Archer hurt Dustin Rhodes and said that Cody could have stopped it and chose not to. Cody made the choice to sacrifice his brother for this. Uh, so kind of trying to build Cody up as the bad guy in this. Um... Then they moved to outside at ringside where MJF and Sean Spears were at and Tony Schiavone interviewing him. And it was, there was an awkward bit to this that simply comes down to uh, the fact that the promos were obviously pre-taped and since then, they, they might have even been pre-taped a month ago uh, when they first started the pre-taped shows, Right. And then they come to this because Sean Spears, in his promo, had his full beard. And then suddenly, on the side, 
literally back-to-back -back with him in his promo, he's clean-shaven, and it was a little jarring there. But it was still kind of funny. They, they were taking bets like they'd been before at ringside, and uh, Spears had all sorts of money, and, you know, looked like he was tipping Tony Schiavone, and then Tony Schiavone said something he didn't like, and he pulled the money back, things like that. Um, it was a fun little promo. Uh, Tony Schiavone ended up at is letting it slip during this that MJF will be facing Jungle Boy at Double or Nothing, and MJF just flips out at that. So it was kind of a fun little moment there for that. Moving on to the third match of the night, we had uh, your champion, uh, John Moxley, in action versus Frankie Kazarian. And it was kind of weird for this to be happening so early in the night because it's your champion right it's it was a non-title match um but it still was was weird you know to to see this setup in my opinion but anyways um john moxley defeated him it it wasn't it wasn't a squash match because arian got a good amount of offense in but they weren't going to have John Moxley lose this early, this soon before um, Double or Nothing sort of a thing, right? After the match, a bunch of Dark Order goons came out. They attacked John Moxley. They start beating him up. SCU comes in to try to help, but they get taken out. Uh, they're outside the ring. Brody Lee comes walking out in his suit, um, carrying a chair. Christopher Daniels tries to get up and just eats the chair. Um... And Moxley's in the ring, and they stand in there. They beat him up a bunch more, and then Brody stands uh, stands tall and calls him out, challenges him for the AEW Championship at, at Double or Nothing, and it's uh, kind of a really fun moment. John Moxley, he, you know, they drop the mic, and John Moxley grabs the mic and kind of pushes himself up to his his uh, elbows and says, "Dude, all you had to do was ask," and then they beat him up more. So. Um, but the big storyline from this was Brody Lee left with the title belt. So now the champion does not have the belt. Brody Lee does, which is something that I remember them doing a fair amount of time in the past, both in WCW and WWE. Um, but it's been a while since I've seen the I've stole your belt uh, gimmick, and it's kind of fun to see it back, right? Um they moved on. Brandy Rhodes cut a promo about Jake the Snake. Uh, it was a typical Brandy here. Brandy Rhodes promo. So uh, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't anything special to me. So we moved on to Lance Archer with, of course, Jake Roberts out there uh, versus QT Marshall. QT trying to get revenge on Lance Archer for injuring Dustin Rhodes the previous week. Um, we never really thought QT Marshall was going to beat Lance Archer. It did have, he did get a, f a little bit of offense in here and there. So that was nice to see. But, uh, the big storyline was outside the ring. You had Britt Baker outside the ring. She was looking, looking, uh, unpleased through the whole time. She actually hit QT Marshall with her shoe at one point. So Brandy, who was out there with QT, uh, grabbed the shoe, threw it away, um, and so there was a little bit of that going on to distract. Then Archer hit uh, Marshall with the EBD claw, his face grab thing, 
and pinned him with that. So um, we knew Lance Archer was going to win. It happened about the way it should have happened. Um, after the match, Britt started attacking Brandy, which is a, a storyline that I thought they were building to originally. And then they just kind of stopped. And so it's interesting that they're going back to that. So uh, Britt versus Brandy now. Uh, Britt hit her with a DDT. Lance Archer then dragged Brandy into the ring. And in one of the weirdest moments, and I'm glad I kind of waited a little bit to record this because I was going to rip this moment to shreds. And then I read someone's take on it that made me step back a little bit. But uh, uh, Jake Roberts comes in there with, with a snake like Jake the Snake does and taunted her with it and laid the snake on top of her. And then uh, first it looked like he was kneeling down above her, but then he, he stuck his legs out and was kind of um, straddling her uh, a bit. Uh, almost looked like humping her for a bit. And that's why I was gonna gonna like rip it a new one because uh, it looked like he was maybe, you know, assaulting her in that way. And uh, But then someone pointed out that it really was um, kind of a a low-key Stone Cold reference. Because remember, Stone Cold used to uh, get down and kind of plank above people and jaw jack right in their face. And if you watch, that's exactly what Jake Roberts was doing there. So I still didn't like it. It was weird. It didn't look quite right. Stone Cold uh, often wouldn't lay directly above him them he'd be like perpendicular to them jaw jacking in their face um but i'm not gonna rip it apart as much as i originally was going to still didn't like it but i understand it uh backstage they moved to taz supposed to be interviewing darby allen uh but darby just pushes the mic away and leaves right doesn't want to talk about it he is he's angry that he lost last week and and who knows what's going to happen. This could be an interesting place to maybe not a full turn from Darby, but get him get him back to less the the 100% face character that they'd kind of built him up to. Cuz as a character, he works really well as the well, for lack of a better term, the sting, the we don't know where he stands sort of character. So, um that's what I'm hoping they're going to go for with it. We'll see if that comes true. Then finally, we get to our main event. And the main event has a whole lot to unpack. And I'm not going to go through it uh, bit by bit because it, it was nuts. It was a street fight, a tag team street fight, to be precise. Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, known as the Sex Gods, versus Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy in the tag team street fight. It started off in the ring, and the only person who was dressed in some sort of real ring attire was Matt Hardy. He was wearing kind of tights and sort of a, a um, broken Matt Hardy sort of look, but not a full broken look. It was weird. Anyways, and uh, they started off, they're fighting in the ring. Uh, it goes back and forth a bit. Uh, the other people are all wearing like jeans and a t-shirt. They have their hands wrapped because it's a fist fight. It's a street fight sort of thing. Um, at one point, Matt Hardy gets taken out. And when he returns, he now is returned dressed in one of his other gimmicks. 
and I'm trying to remember, I wish I had a list of exactly which ones he went through, but I think one of them was uh, version two point, or version 1.0, Matt, I think. Um, and then in the end, he ends up in his full Damascus uh, final form Broken Matt Hardy gimmick. So, But it was interesting because each time he disappeared for a bit, when he came back later, he'd be in a different outfit. And that's part of why I think they were on like a 30-minute tape delay to allow them to do these uh, costume changes and still appear seamless through this match. This match effectively was an empty arena match um, because they left the ring. It was a street fight, of course, but they left the ring. They went all over the place. While they were in the ring, though, I do want to point out there was one point that Matt Hardy did a uh, splash room on top of a ladder through a table to Sammy Guevara, and it looked painful as all get out for both of them, uh, but a lot for Sammy Guevara. But somehow or another, he continued to work the match for, I want to say, another 20 minutes after that. It was a long match, all in all. It was very enjoyable, so I don't... I don't have anything bad to say about this match. Overall, it was nuts. Um, if, if you've been on Twitter, I guarantee you, you've seen clips from this match already. Um, but it went, went, like I said, outside of the ring to the backstage area. At one point, Kenny Omega and uh, Matt Hardy got in uh, a golf cart and they ran down uh, Sammy Guevara. It's a great moment, Sammy running away from it and then just getting taken out by the, the cart. And then they eventually run down uh, Chris Jericho. And um, they beat him up some more. They put him on a table. And Kenny Omega at this point goes up on a scissors jack and goes up. I don't know how high he was. It was at least 10 feet. Must be higher. And he does a moonsault off the scissors jack through the table on Matt, on uh, Jericho. And so another crazy moment from this. Um, at this point, though, it looked like uh, the good guys were going to get the win, but this is where the strength in numbers comes in and the rest of the inner circle shows up. Uh, and they take... Uh, they were involved a little bit earlier on. There was a moment uh, where um, uh, Jake Hager kind of interfered. Kenny Omega tried to do a over-the-top rope splash to the outside and Jake Hager just caught him and then dropped him on the ring apron. So things like that. But at this point, you had Ortiz and Santana get involved as well with Jake Hager and then it became five-on-two. Uh, just a beatdown and ended up with Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara getting the win, pinning them in the back and then 